This is Celebration Church, but it's more than just a building or a church. We have a calling to be a place where people can find a relationship with God instead of religion. A place where freedom is found and acceptance given, and every person can discover their purpose and experience the kind of fulfillment only God can give. Together we will raise, lead, and empower a generation to change the world. Here, Jesus is famous, and all the glory goes to God. This is celebration. This is our family. Welcome home. Good morning. Welcome to Celebration Church. Let's all stand together as our campus is joining with us over in Appleton and Stevens Point. And let's recite together the Apostles' Creed. This is our statement of faith. This is who we are and what we believe at Celebration Church. We believe in God, the Father Almighty, the creator of heaven and earth. We believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who for us and for our salvation was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. <laughs> the day he rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the fellowship of believers, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting Amen. You may be seated. Good to have you with us here this morning, as well as all those who watch us all around the world, on the internet and television, our campuses, blah, 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 blah. Oops. All right. This morning, I want to give a message entitled, How to Deal with Strange People. <laughs> Speaking of strange people, can you all get a picture of my socks, cameraman? Come on, camera. Foot. Somebody aim at the foot. Foot. There we go. All right. That was hard and painful. Check out the socks. That's a picture of my wife. Right there. That's, that's, that's strange and, and a little creepy, I got to tell you. But uh, anyway. <laughs> So now this title is actually a little misleading, to say the least. Uh, this isn't about weird people. Okay, that's what we think with strange people. I want to talk about people who are strange to us. They are strangers. The dictionary describes a stranger as a person that is unknown to us or with whom one is unacquainted. In Hebrews, the 13th chapter, this is in the New Testament, the writer of this little book called Hebrews in the New Testament, <coughs> says this, do not forget to entertain strangers, for by doing so, some have unwittingly entertained angels. A lot of times when we read the scripture, people get all excited about talking about angels and encounters with angels. And there are some very interesting stories of people who have stories of encountering angels and some very interesting things. But this isn't really about angels. That's not the emphasis of this verse. The emphasis of this verse is about entertaining or being nice to strangers, strange people, people you do not know. And then he adds, because some have done this to angels. Apparently, <clears throat> there are angels amongst us. Uh, you don't know when you're going to encounter them. 
they look like people, you know, they don't have wings flying around the place, but they appear as people and actually engage with human beings. Fascinating concept. But uh, there are actual angels that deal with us, but you're not going to know who they are. <clears throat> and uh, there's some interesting stories of angels. One of the most dramatic ones I heard once, and uh, I don't know if it's true or not, who knows, but uh, uh, about this guy, and I was back in the early 70s, <clears throat> uh, stopped to pick up a hitchhiker. You guys remember when you used to pick up hitchhikers? You know, you know that was fun. We used to like it. It was a polite thing to do. That was before, you know, serial killers everywhere <clears throat> who cut you up and stick you in plastic bags, okay? So I don't pick up hitchhikers anymore. I just wave, and if it's an angel, too bad, because I ain't stopping <clears throat> because I don't want to be in a plastic bag, okay? But uh, as who said, he was in this area, he was unfamiliar with it, and he said, I see this hitchhiker, he stops, he picks him up, and uh, they're driving along, and the guy says, you want to be careful, there's a bridge out up here, the signs aren't in yet, but, uh, and the guy goes, really, he's looking, and, and he turns, and the guy's gone. And sure enough, he stops, and the bridge had been washed out, saved his life. Now, see, did that really happen? I don't know. Cool story, though. But people have various stories that they think or feel that they have in, encountered angels. My lovely wife, Deanna, has a story. When I first met her, she was telling me that she was at her lowest point when she was living up in Alaska, found out that her husband had been unfaithful to her. It was breaking up their family. Those of you who've been through something like this know it is devastating. It sucks the life out of you. Your self-esteem crashes. You feel horrible. You are devastated. And she was in a bad place and felt totally, totally alone. She was at a Walmart. <clears throat> there are a lot of strange people at Walmarts, actually. But anyway, <laughs> she... Uh, <laughs> That's a different subject. But anyway, she comes out of Walmart and she says she sees this guy standing with a sign that says, free prayers. And she's like, well, what a strange thing. She said, man, I need some prayer. She walks up, sees this guy. He's got the bluest eyes she said she had ever seen. It was stunning just to look at him. And she walked up and said, can you pray for me? The guy said, yeah, and he prays for her. And it just lifts her spirit. She said she had never seen him before and had never seen him afterwards. She thought, this was an angel for me. You say, well, pastor, was that actually an angel? I don't know. The point, it was an angel to her. Okay? Sometimes when we're just really kind to people we do not know, we are acting like angels. And it seems like an angel to them because you lift them up from a very, very bad place. Um, <clears throat> When you stop and be kind to people that you do not know, it, you're being very Christ-like at that point, and you're being very warm and caring because you don't know where people are at in their lives. Uh, recently, we were in California, got checked in the hotel and stuff, went up to the bar to, to have a drink, and uh, we're sitting there, and there's this group of people sitting, and they're all talking and chatting and stuff like that, and uh, we engage them. I think Deanna engages because she's the chatter-er. I smile, but she chatters. And so she engaged with these people, finds out that they all had gathered together because something really bad had happened to someone they loved. A young man who was in the military, he had fallen. I don't remember what they said he'd fallen from or how high, but when he hit his head, it was bad and he was badly injured. He was in a coma. They didn't know if he was going to survive. It was a very bad accident. So all the family had flown in to gather with him. And of course, there's this sense of dread and and, and, and darkness over the whole situation as, you know, cousins and uncles and grandmas were all gathered together concerned about it. The guy's name was uh, Colby. And so we're engaged and we're hearing the story. And anyway, at some point we got up, we we're getting ready to leave. And I said, 
would you like us to pray with you? They went, yeah. So we started praying. And I don't think there's a lot of prayer meetings in bars, actually. But we decided to have one. Kind of stood out a little bit, a little weird. But, uh, and we just prayed a very simple prayer uh, to encourage them and for God to do a miracle in Colby's life. And then I, I got on my Facebook, you know, to ask people to pray for it. You know, you get friends and stuff that follow you. I got like 300,000 very close friends. And, uh, <clears throat> and we're asking them to pray. So all these people all over the world are praying for him. Hello. And, and we got an a, a, a email or something from him, a text, not very many days later. And he said, an amazing thing happened. He started to pull out of it. And he continued to pull out of it. And it's completely okay now. I mean, it's really a great miracle. Now, we are not angels, though we may look like angels. But we are certainly angels to them. And being encouraging and just being kind to strangers that you do not know. Jesus encouraged us. To be kind to people that nobody else is kind to. We read in the Gospel of Luke, the 14th chapter, Jesus is talking to a guy who had invited him to this supper and all the hoity-toity people of the town had come, you know, to the supper. And Jesus said to this guy who invited him, you know, when you give a dinner or a supper, don't ask your friends, your brothers, your relatives, or rich neighbors, so they can invite you back and, and you be repaid. Now, don't misunderstand me. It's fine to uh, invite your family and friends over to dinner. He wasn't prohibiting that. Uh, my lovely sister-in-law uh, invites us over for dinner all the time on Sundays. She's a great cook, and I love it because neither one of us cook. So anyway, there's actual food. So we go, and it's great. And that's fine. But he wasn't condemning that. What he was condemning is this guy was really a cheap little snot. And he would only invite people that he knew would invite him back. And they'd get repaid. You know, Jesus said, don't, don't do that. He says, when you give a feast, invite the poor, the maimed, the lame, the blind. People, these are people nobody has anything to do with. They're strangers to them. And he says, and you will be blessed because they cannot repay you. You shall be repaid in the resurrection of the just. It's really where you want to cash in all your chips anyway. And, uh, and be kind to people you do not know. So this guy obviously was very, very cheap. I was listening to a radio broadcast of some guy. I can't remember who it was. They were talking about his life because he's like a gazillionaire, one of the wealthiest people in America. And uh, he was very, very strange, a recluse, you know, kind of an odd character, which a lot of these guys tend to be. He's brilliant in the financial world with numbers and stuff like that. But he was so tight, he squeaked. And friends and stuff were telling the story about they go over to his house. And they knew the routine is just the way the guy was. But... Uh, when he's serving them dinner and stuff, uh, of course, his mind is so analytical. He's literally counting up the cost of everything each person is consuming. And at the end of dinner, he'd give them all a bill. <laughs> Isn't that bad? That's horrible. We should try that, actually. And, uh, and what a horrible thing to do. With people, people were kind of giggling about it. They knew it. They weren't shocked because the word was out on this guy. But he was tight. Goodness gracious. We're supposed to be generous to people and be kind to people, particularly people who are strange to us. They don't know us. They are strangers to us. In Psalm 146 in the Old Testament, we read these words where it says, The Lord watches over strangers. He relieves the fatherless and the widows. There's something about God. He is drawn to lonely people. Just when people feel, isn't that odd? I mean, you think that, I don't know if you've ever felt really, really alone. 
Uh, but it says that God is actually drawn to people like that and hovers over the people. Just when you feel the most alone is when, in fact, you are not alone. But God wants us then to be kind to the strangers, to reach out to them and connect with them. Uh, in Deuteronomy in the Old Testament, we read these words. Therefore, love the stranger, he writes to them, for you were strangers in the land of Egypt. So what he's saying is, to the, to the Israelites, they say, be, be kind of strange people, you know, because you were strangers at one time. And all of this actually applies to all of us. Those of you who've come to celebration, when you first came to this church, you were, in fact, a stranger. You were strange and unknown to all of us, but then you were able, we were able to connect with you and, 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 and draw you and become your friends. And, you know, if you come here very long, you have, you build some great friendships with people. Some of your greatest friendship circles actually are in the church. And I know when we come to church, we're often drawn to those same people over and over again. And we have our little circle of people, which is fine. You know, you can criticize, oh, everybody's got their clicks. It's not about being a click or being a jerk. It's about these are our friends. Everybody develops friends. And I think it's fine to connect with your circle when you come to church. I would just encourage you, keep it an open circle. Keep it, you're hanging with people and you see somebody and somebody walks by, you invite them in. Connect with people. Be kind to the strangers because God Wants, we want Celebration Church to be a place where strangers can walk in and they will feel in a very short time that they are no longer strangers, that they feel accepted and taken in. You know, now, in Wisconsin, those of you watching around the world on the internet, uh, Wisconsin, you go north of Green Bay and there's pretty much nothing. Uh, Pesh to go. But beyond that, there's nothing, Okay. In fact, Pesciol is pretty much nothing. So anyways, above all that, and, and there's woods and everything. I was like, and the funny thing about all, I mean, a huge track of land all in northern Wisconsin. Everyone's talking, going up north. Where's that? Out there. And uh, there's whole towns where there's nothing in the town but a bar. Right? We've all seen these. The bar. You want to get anything to eat? You want to go to the bathroom? You stop at the bar. We were ATVing the other day, and we would started off at a bar, ended up at a bar, came back to the bar. I mean, that's what we did. You know, that's where you connect, driving through this, and we're just having a great time. And I don't know if you've ever walked into a bar uh, up in northern Wisconsin, but it's not unusual. As you walk in the door, everybody goes. <laughs> and it really kind of creeps you out, you know. It's like, you're a stranger from here. You ain't from here, are you? You know, they're just looking at you and stuff. And it kind of creeps you out. We don't want Celebration Church to be like a place like that where somebody walks in, we all go. You know, because that's not helpful, all right? So we want to reach out to people and be kind to people, be warm to people. Because there was a time when you were a stranger. And in fact, you'll find sometimes in life that you'll be in situations where you are, in fact, a stranger. And everybody loves to be invited in to people's worlds. Jesus taught us to be kind to people and to be kind to strangers. And he certainly was a stranger. What happened to my clock? According to this, I should be done preaching. Well, they didn't set it. That one over there? 12 minutes. Thank you. Give our tech people a hand. Sorry, I have the attention span of a fly. All right, so anyway, Jesus taught us to be kind. I want to read from one of the Gospels, the Gospel of John, where Jesus encounters a stranger and what he does. And this is a serious stranger. This is someone he really shouldn't even be, according to the customs of the day, have anything to do with. 
And I'll explain as we look into it. So we're in John, the fourth chapter, starting in verse 5. So Jesus comes to a city in Samaria. So they come to Samaria. The Jews don't really have much to do with the Samaritans. They don't really like them. The, the history of Samaria, as you look at the history of the Jews, there were one nation under King David and Solomon and stuff. But, but then down the road, they split and they have a big civil war, you know. Uh, hard to imagine people not getting along. But anyway, so they have this big split. And you have the northern kingdom, the kingdom of Israel. And then you have the southern kingdom, the kingdom of Judah. Well, the kingdom of Judah is the one that remains the most faithful to God. In fact, the word Jews comes from the word Judah. All right, these are the ones, this is where this comes from. The uh, northern tribes, which were there many more tribes, there's 12 altogether, most of them were from, in, from Israel, they fared very badly. And they disobeyed God horribly and kept doing things they shouldn't do and intermarried with, you know, the pagans around them and picked up pagan traditions and stuff like that. So there were basically half-breeds as far as the Jews were concerned. Uh, they didn't really understand God. They'd really been unfaithful to God. They didn't like them. They were icky. The Jews didn't have anything to do with the Samaritans. But he had to go to this place. So he stops in Samaria in the city near the plot of ground that Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Now, Jacob's well was there. Jesus, therefore, being wearied from his journey, they're walking along, they didn't have cars, they walk everywhere they wanted to go. He's tired, he sits by the well, and it's about the sixth hour. Well, a woman of Samaria came to draw water. And Jesus said to her, now it's just him and this woman. He starts talking to her. That's the first faux pas, okay? You don't talk in this culture, you know? That's kind of smart, really, even today. <laughs> You know, if you're by yourself as a woman, don't be talking to some creepy guy. You don't know what's going on. But anyway, uh, there, he starts talking to her, and that's, you know, especially in that culture, you know, you don't normally do that. And particularly because she could immediately know that he was Jewish by the way that he dressed and the way he was, you know, the culture popped out at her. And he says to this woman, would you mind giving me a drink? Because his disciples had gone away into the city. Everybody had gone in, you know, you know to Culver's, get some cheeseburgers and, and, and you know, curds. We love, God loves curds. So anyway, so he goes in, they're all going to Culver's. So this, this woman, he's by himself. And the woman of Samaria looks at him and goes, how is it that you being a Jew ask a drink for me? And also the fact that he was, you know, why are you talking to me? You're Jewish, I'm a Samaritan woman. He says, the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. And you can see they kind of resented it. She wasn't saying, we don't have anything to do with you. She complained, you guys don't have anything to do with us. So she's not starting out in the most positive of ways. And uh, Jesus answered and said to her, you know, if you knew the gifts of God and who it is who said, if you had any idea who I was, you would say to me, give me a drink. And you would have asked, and I would have, he, the way they talk, third person, he would have given you living water. I would give you living water. And the woman said to him, uh, you don't have anything to draw with. The well's deep. Where are you going to get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us this well? Drank it from himself as well as his sons and his livestock. And Jesus answered and said to her, this stranger, well, whoever drinks of this water will thirst again. But whoever drinks of the water I shall give him will never thirst. But the water that I give him will become in him a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. Now, this lady has no idea what he's talking about. Uh, makes no sense. But he's, of course, he's talking about spiritual water. Spiritual water. 
that satisfies. That's one of the things, as you try to seek for things to fill your life, the world is all full of all kinds of distractions. But the drag is, it doesn't really satisfy. It might satisfy temporarily, but there's not enough stuff, there's not enough entertainment, there's not enough money, there's not enough women, there's not enough drugs and booze to fill the empty hole inside. Jesus said, I will give you the kind of life that will totally fill you up. And not just fill you up, but you'll be spilling out to others. And of course, I, this problem, woman has no idea what he's talking about. All she's probably thinking is, uh, you're talking about water, that, that I don't have to come and get any more water. It's a one-time water stop. So the woman says, sir, give me this water. So I don't have to come here to thirst and, and have to draw. And Jesus said, okay, but uh, do me a favor. First, go and uh, call your husband and come here. And she goes, uh, the woman answered, oh, well, I don't, I don't have a husband. And Jesus said to her, uh, yeah, you're, you're right. You've said, well, you have no husband because actually you've, you've had five husbands and the one whom you have now is not even your husband. So number six, she hadn't even bothered to marry him yet. So what you said is very true. Well, this is embarrassing, obviously, and pretty striking. How does he even know this? I don't know this guy from Adam. How in the world can he know my marital status? Now, I've got to assume that this woman is really hot. I'm not talking sweaty hot. I'm talking like she's really gorgeous because she's had five husbands and another guy's already lining up to be number six. Me, you've had five. I'm, I'm moving along. Okay, I, 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 you know, God bless you. <laughs> but I'm sticking around for that. All right? You've pretty much shown that you're a little difficult to get along with. And uh, so, so obviously she's joy, and she's probably not even all that old. She's probably a stunning woman. And these guys keep lining up. Ooh, I'll take her, I'll take her. They can't take it and they run away from their lives. Uh, so anyway, he says, well, well, yeah, you're right. You know, you've had five husbands. And the, and the woman is, can you imagine how she's feeling at this point? Now, what's interesting is he's talking to her. He's being kind to a woman. That is very different than the standards that people of faith uphold. Do you see this? He's not condemning her. He's not getting in her face. Oh, you're really rotten sinner. Oh, you had too many husbands. I don't get it. You know, no, 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 no. He knew this the minute she walked up who she was and what her life was like. And what does he do? He engages with her. He is kind to her. He's speaking life to this strange woman who had a very complicated history, a very messed up past, but he's talking to her. And, and then she says, you know, sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. You know, how would you know this? And then she gets into a religious discussion with him. <laughs> That's what people do. So, you know, our fathers worshiped on this mountain, and you Jews say that in Jerusalem is the place where you ought to worship. And she said, woman, believe me, the hour is coming when you will neither worship, uh, neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem worship the Father. You worship while you don't even know the Samaritans. They're all jacked up. They had so much paganism mixed in with their religion. He says, we know what we worship. Salvation is of the Jews. But the hour is coming and now is when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father is seeking such to worship him. When we gather together like this, and it doesn't even have to be in church, you should be worshiping God all the time in your life and being grateful and thankful to him. But we gather like this. This is to worship and to thank God for what he does. Now, <clears throat> 
you've got two extremes, you know, in America, you've got very evangelical churches and then very traditional liturgical churches. We're kind of somewhere in between. We have some liturgy uh, to what we do with the Lord's Prayer and the Apostles' Creed and communion and stuff that we do. Uh, so we're kind of like liturgical light, if you will. But, you know, there's a real heavy liturgical and, and the other. One of the knocks from the other towards liturgical people is that it's, it's too mechanical, you know. And for some people, they can do it and be very meaningful to them. So I'm not knocking it, but to a lot of people, it just becomes mechanical. It was certainly the way I was raised, you know. You went to church, you didn't even really want to be there. It was just showing up with kind of like fire insurance. Eternal fire, you know, make your payment, keep your premium up, and uh, get out of there. But, you, you know, you sit up, stand, kneel, stand, you know, twirl, dance, whatever, and then get out of there. Because you just followed the mechanic, you know, do this, say that, do this, say that, that. Do this, say that, do this, that, over and over, and the same thing over and over. So the knock on liturgical thing is that it can become very mechanical. And then people are missing the whole point. We're supposed to be worshiping God in spirit and in truth. It's not about going through a formula. Now, ironically, all churches have some kind of formula. Ours is liturgical light. Even evangelicals pretty much have a formula they watch and follow every Sunday. So it's, it's not really fair. But, you know, you can see that they kind of pull away from some of that stuff that gets a little bit too mechanical. And you got to be careful about stuff like that. We're supposed to be worshiping God in spirit. What God is looking for is, is for people who will actually love and worship him and connect with him and celebrate him. He loves that. Okay. God is a spirit. Those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. And the woman said, you know, I, I hear that the Messiah is coming, who's called the Christ. You know, they're all waiting for the Christ. They've been hearing about this for thousands of years. And she says, you know, when he comes, well, he'll tell us all these things. He'll, so she's seeing they kind of disagree. But, you know, when the Messiah comes, he'll straighten it all out. And then Jesus does an amazing thing. He says to her, I who speak to you am he. Now, if you read the Gospels, you see most of the time Jesus is trying to hide who he is. He would do miracles and people wouldn't, and he said, don't tell anybody. What do you mean don't tell anybody? You know, they, they, he didn't want him broadcasting uh, who he was for whatever reason, I don't know. But in this situation, he says as clearly as recorded in the scriptures that I am the Christ. I am the Messiah who you are talking to right now is he. Well, at this point, the disciples come back from Culver's and, uh, and, and they marvel to see him talking with a woman. Again, this is counterculture. You don't just talk to a woman, you know. You're a guy all by yourself. You don't, you don't do that, especially a Samaritan woman. And yet no one bothered to bug him and say, why are you talking to her? What do you see? What's this all about? Because they knew. Don't mess with him, you know. I talk about this a lot. Jesus wasn't just some hippie walking around, hi, everybody, you know. Now he was kind, merciful, even engaging with this woman. But he was also very, very structured. The Bible says the disciples got to the point they were afraid to ask him any questions. You ask him. I ain't asking him nothing, man. He yelled at me. You know? So, I mean, they, they knew that he was pretty strict at the same time. Uh, so, when he shows up, they don't question him. <laughs> They've learned zip it, skippy. Okay. Uh, anyway, the woman then left her water pot, which is odd because she was there with the water pot. The whole thing was about the water pot. She leaves it. She goes into the city and tells everybody, come, see a man who told me all things I ever did. Could this be the Christ? And they went out to the city, and, and they came to see him and stuff. But in the meanwhile, his disciples urged him, Rabbi, the cheese curds are getting cold. You know, let's, let's, let's get on with it. And, and, uh, and, and Jesus said, uh, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. 
See, it was so fulfilling to Jesus to encounter this stranger and to be kind to her and to bless her and don't judge her for the mess of a life that she had and just trying to connect her with God and with grace. And it was so satisfying that he didn't even feel hungry anymore. He says, don't say there are still four months and then comes the harvest. Behold, I tell you, lift up your eyes. Look at the fields. They're already white for harvest. There are opportunities, all of us, around us all the time. My guess is most of us walk by opportunities to be kind to strangers all the time. When what we ought to do is be kind to them. Say, well, what at level? You know, I don't know. He's talking about the harvest. You know, some people have the big glory of reaping the harvest. And then, but none of that would even be possible but for someone who dropped a little seed. Maybe you're just, most of us, to be honest with you, most of us will be planting seeds. That's what we do. Uh, for others, the time will come where you get a chance to really make a dramatic impact in their lives. Don't think every encounter has to be this big dramatic thing. It doesn't, because then you're going to be weird and pushed and stuff like that. Most of our encounters with people that are strange to us is just kindness, just to be kind. Plant little seeds. The thing about seeds is they start to grow and they turn into something. But they can't turn into something if you haven't planted the seed. So God encourages us, be kind to people. Look for opportunities that you can bless those that don't feel very blessed, that you can engage with those that feel no one cares about them, that you can pray for someone that no one thinks that, you know, even thinking about prayer. Be kind to people because this makes a dramatic impact in their lives. And then, at some day, those seeds can grow and turn into something very very, very powerful. We're going to turn our attention now to uh, our time of communion. I want to invite our ushers to come forward and get ready to uh, serve everybody. This is the time of the service where we turn our attention to why we're here. We're here because of what Jesus Christ did on the cross for us. His body was broken so that we could be whole. His blood was shed so we can have the forgiveness of sins. This is what we celebrate as people of faith. All of the grace, all the goodness, all the kindness, and all the forgiveness that we experience, no matter how jacked up we are, is all made possible because of the sacrifice that Jesus gave when he allowed himself to be sacrificed on that cross. The Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And as we get ready to take communion, you know, the Bible says that before we do this and when we're doing this, we're supposed to reflect. So be reflective when you're thinking, you know, help me, Lord. Help me to be kind to people that I don't know. How do I, do I just ignore strangers? Help me to be, and not just in church, but particularly in church. Be kind to people. But even in your everyday life, your neighbors, people you walk into, you don't look for opportunities where you can bless someone that you honestly do not know or know very little because God hovers over and watches over the stranger. Let us be a blessing in the world. Let us be the kind of people that is kind of constantly splashing the gift of life to all of those around us. And if you're here this morning thinking, you know, it's interesting what you're saying, but I've never really experienced anything like this. I, I don't really know God the way you guys know God. We're going to pray a prayer together. I'm going to invite you to pray this prayer with us, whether you're sitting here in the service watching us uh, on television or around the world. If you'll pray this prayer with us right now, you can start to take your first steps of faith and start to experience this wonderful thing that we celebrate, which is the forgiveness and the joy of knowing God in your life. Let's pray this prayer together. Let's bow our heads and say, Dear Jesus, I believe you are the Christ, the Son of God. I surrender my heart to you this morning. Please forgive me of my sins. I ask you to come into my life. 